Welcome to the Pastoral Parsha Podcast. Uh, I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer. I'm here with Dr. Michelle Friedman, um, and who's going to be our host. Uh, and we're going to be looking at the Parsha each week through a pastoral lens. So I am a psychiatrist by training, and I also did psychoanalytic training. Um, so I, uh, in my daily psychiatric practice, I see people uh, with all kinds, adults, uh, with all kinds of psychological, emotional problems and I treat them with medication and psychotherapy as needed. And I'm also the chair of the pastoral counseling program at YCT Rabbinical School, where I'm privileged to uh, teach and work with um, the many rabbis who have passed through the yeshiva. So you've been spending about the last 20 years then in terms of both operating in the pastoral psychiatric realm and in the Torah rabbinic realm, Absolutely. right? Do those things, how do you see those things ever intersecting? Um, I, they intersect all the time. I think about the, uh, when I see a patient in my practice, I always ask about their um, religious background, their spiritual life. I really think that's a dimension that is too often ignored in um, conventional 21st century um, psychological practice. Um, and when I am uh, working with the rabbis, my goal is to help them be competent first responders um, for the pastoral needs of their congregants, their students, their peers, whoever they happen to be, um, and taking, certainly taking care of themselves. Great. So now we're going to be actually bringing that together in a different way and right. looking each week at, you know, at the Torah text and at the Parsha right. and sort of seeing what emerges there when you bring a pastoral lens to it. So, right. uh, so what jumped out for you for, in, for Breshit? Well, actually what jumped out for me was you know, really in the very first sentence, that how does God create the world? God creates the world through words, mm -hmm. and it's the power of words that jumped out at me. Uh, the creation of the world through words, the naming of um, all the uh, animals and other things of creation that uh, God gives over to Adam. Um, Adam ultimately naming Eve, and actually the naming of emotions. Hmm. You see naming of emotions in the text, or that's what comes up for you in your practice? No, I see words are used in the text having to do with fear, Mm -hmm. having to do with embarrassment or shame, mm. uh, and all kinds of feelings are evoked and, and explicitly named in the text. Uh -huh. So it's really because, you know, when you say words, and I think about the practice of psychiatry, I think about talk therapy, right. and the, the power of giving a name is not what I most naturally gravitate to, but you specifically are saying that there's real weight in the giving of a name. Yes. Yeah, can you elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I mean, there's, you know, from a, a very practical and financial level, <laughs> there's a weight in having a diagnosis for insurance reimbursement. Mm. But that's not really what we're talking about <laughs> here so much. <laughs> Although I'm not uh, minimizing the importance. Um, but there's real power in somebody saying, telling me, a whole host of symptoms and a whole host of history and experiences. And my saying, you know, it sounds to me like you're struggling with postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. um, let's, let's use that as an example. Okay. And when I say that, it conveys a number of things. One is that I've heard it before, uh -huh. that this is not some kind of freak, you know, one in a million or never heard of before kind of suffering. But no, this is an entity that has been named, that there is a known set of treatments for, mm -hmm. and that there's a sense of a, a, a body of knowledge that can be helpful. Huh. 
Huh. And does it give the person also a sense of control, being able to put a name to it? I think it gives them a sense of potential control. Uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> People in the throes of suffering are usually feeling pretty out of control. Not necessarily that they're going to act out of control, but they're very much at the mercy of, they're, they're kind of being you know, um, um, subjected to um, these really powerful, distressing feelings. But when a name is, comes, is given, uh, in, this, in the treatment um, setting, it gives a sense of potential of hope, mm -hmm. of a, a range of treatment options, and of um, therapeutic results. Huh. So when Adam names the animals, right, he is naming something external to him. Right. So does that help, like, to say, oh, you know what, it seems to me your boss was doing was being very manipulative. Um, or, um, but how about also, like, naming... Um, not just actions, but people. Like it sounds like that person has a real, uh, you know, it, you know, is a real manipulator, right? Is that helpful, or can that be constricting? Well, you know, you're kind of jumping ahead there because I think that let's say when Adam names things, you know, he's starting pretty basic. Like, is that a giraffe or is that a zebra? Mm -hmm. And I think that having specific names for things really helps us mark our sense of reality mm -hmm. because we can agree with other people you know what is the experience that we're sharing mm. are we seeing a herd of zebras or are we seeing a herd of giraffes now maybe you know here in manhattan that doesn't seem to make <laughs> a lot of difference but it does make a di big difference you know if we we can agree is it snowing outside or is it raining outside mm -hmm. so i think naming basic things think about little children when they learn words how powerful it is the capacity to communicate mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. certainly you, know, you went on to you know you were talking about naming of uh, feelings or naming of actions you know you were using an adverb of manipulative which obviously has so many different shades to it and I think becomes much more subjective mm -hmm. but I think we can only do that mm -hmm. once we have named more basic things you know this reminds me of a a searing clinical experience I had many, many years ago when I was seeing in my practice a, a young woman who was deaf from birth. And this was before the advent of cochlear implants. Mm. And she had been uh, forced to lip read. She was never allowed to sign. So the language that she learned was really a secondary kind of language. And this is a young woman who had been repeatedly molested by her brother-in-law. Mm. And it was you know, obviously a very, very beautiful young woman who did not have the words mm. for anger. Mm. She didn't even know the word. Mm. And I, I, I could sense that there was a feeling of outrage, of betrayal, of violation. It wasn't that she didn't feel mm -hmm. feelings, mm -hmm. but she did not have the actual words to say wow. it. Makes me think of 1984, yes. where the way they controlled thought is by eliminating words right. from the vocabulary. Right. And if you can't name something, then you've in some ways eradicated that experience or That's that reality. Right. Or you obscure it. You make it unable for people to communicate together mm -hmm. about it. It's not like people don't feel it, but it becomes foggier. And then you start to doubt whether or not you felt something. So that's why I think it's so powerful that in the text, um, unpleasant emotions are named. Uh -huh, Anger uh -huh. is named. Shame is named. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And those are real experiences for humanity. Wow. 
Okay. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Um, hmm. Well, I think that a lot of times people think that this Parsha ends on a downer, uh -huh. where Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden and go on to a life of struggle. Um, but I think that uh, this, this struggle is, is our story, and it, makes, it helps us make sense of the human experience. And I think one of the gifts of this story is using language to create and to clarify and to connect with each other, which Adam and Eve hopefully do. Fabulous. Thank you so much, Dr. Thank you for listening to the Pastoral Parsha with Dr. Michelle Friedman, the latest podcast from YCT. If you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to tune in next week to hear Dr. Friedman's thoughts on Parshat Noah. You can also like and subscribe to the podcast below.